In this episode, we'll be learning from a self-professed reformed bad boy with a personal testimony. He's a sex and abstinence expert, best-selling author, coach, speaker, and the host of Kolvaski Analysis podcast. His role as founder of City Farm is closest to his heart. It is a global movement of friends with better benefits on a mission to end loneliness. It is an organization that connects like-minded people. Welcome to the show, Rob. How are you doing? I'm doing great, Toby. Thanks for having me on. Thank you so much for joining me today on this episode of Meritalk Podcast. I'm looking forward to learning so much from you. I've been skipping through your content, going through your um, website, and I'm just right now open to learn about sex from you, learn about abstinence. But first, I, I am personally intrigued by your, your testimony. Um, please, can you share about your life story from sure. you know, your mother being pregnant with you at the age of 14, growing up without a father, becoming a male stripper, be, becoming saved, um, giving your life to Jesus, and then you know, turning all your life around and becoming who you are today? Yeah, I'd love to. Thanks for asking. So like you said, uh, my mom was 14 when she got pregnant with me. She was in the eighth grade. And, um, you know, some, some people close to her advised her to have an abortion. This is back in the 70s. And she was kind of from a, a fairly strict religious family, at least my grandmother was. But she decided that she was going to have me. So she dropped out, of, dropped out of junior high. She had me. Um, her and my dad didn't, you know, they split up not long after. Uh, he, he always lived in another state. And he was, he was very young also, and he never really paid child support. So I didn't get to see him very often, like maybe once or twice, like once every year or two, approximately. And so I never really had a strong male role model. It was just kind of me and my mom growing up and we were pretty poor. And she was working a couple jobs and I was, you know, running the streets, raising myself. And we moved around a lot. And I guess I was pretty insecure, um, you know, just from that being poor and, you know, always being the new kid in school. So somewhere around the age of puberty, whenever I hit puberty, I guess in my teens, I, I remember I came home from, I, I was playing outside or something, and, and I looked at on the coffee table, and there was a videotape of my mom and her friends had rented. I didn't know what it was. I went over, I grabbed it, I took it, I put it in the VCR, and all of a sudden on the television, I saw male strippers. And I thought, that's what I want to be when I grow up. Because I saw all these women sticking money in guys' pants, right? And they were all screaming, and you know, here I'm kind of insecure, I guess. I wanted to be popular. I wanted to be cool. I thought, you know, that's what it meant to be a man because I didn't really have anybody to teach me. Mm-hmm. So I made up my mind at like, you know, 13 or 14 years old that I wanted to be a male stripper. I became sexually active when I was 16. I started working for an entertainment agency in Baltimore when I was 19. Eventually, I was working for every entertainment agency in Baltimore. And I was like the number one guy at each of the agencies. So I was doing more shows than anybody else. I was making a lot of money. I was... uh very popular. I was having a lot of, a lot of sex. And I really kind of thought it was everything that I wanted. This is what I wanted when I was growing up. I thought, you know, this is what the world told me would make me happy. Yeah. And I, I, uh, I would, the first consequences or I, yeah, I guess you would say consequences that I saw were in my relationships with women, because what would happen is I would, I would, I would have, you know, one of two things would always happen. I would have sex quickly with a girl and either I would immediately lose interest like from the moment that I ejaculated, I would, any interest is gone as soon as I, as soon as I came. Mm. Or I would continue to have sex with some of the girls and we would drift into a relationship, but the relationship was never that good. It always felt like something was missing and 
you know, I'd be looking over my shoulder, wondering if I could be happier with other women. Mm-hmm. And then eventually I'm look, looking at pornography, you know, imagining that I'm with other girls and then eventually I'm cheating. And then, but, but still unable to break up for some reason, like kind of stuck in something and felt almost feeling trapped in something I didn't want to be in. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's kind of how it happened in my first relationship where I, we had sex on the first date, continued sleeping together and then drifted into a relationship. This lasted for four years where I just kind of was trapped in a relationship that I, I, I didn't really necessarily want to be in. I felt smothered. And I one day I worked up the courage to go home and tell my girlfriend, who was, who was very emotionally invested in me. I just wasn't as emotionally invested in her. She, you know, I told her, I said, look, I'm not sure if I'm in love with you. And she slapped her hands over her face and she started crying. And I, and I started crying. And about a month later, she, her and I broke up and she started dating somebody else. And to my great surprise, it threw me into a deep depression. Because mm-hmm. here I was thinking that I wanted to be free. But as soon as she started dating somebody else, I got really depressed. Mm-hmm. And then I became convinced that I had to have her back. That, I, that she was, you know, like things were going to be different. So I started calling her, messaging her, trying to convince her to leave that guy, come back to me. Mm-hmm. And eventually she did. She left that guy. She came back to me. And it was beautiful for about two weeks. And, and then the feeling went right back to where it was originally, where I was like, why did I do that? I was free. Why, why did you do that to yourself? And this lasted another year. And then after another year, I went home and I told, I said, look, I'm not sure if I'm in love with you. She started crying. I started crying. She, she, we broke up shortly thereafter. She started dating somebody else. What do you think happened to me? You quit a look. <laughs> the exact same thing. I got really, I, this time I was even more depressed than the first time. I was so depressed. I was like, mm-hmm. please, I begged her to come back. I said, I'll change anything. And I knew I was caught in something that I didn't have control over, but I, I just wanted the pain to stop because I was in so much pain. Mm-hmm. You know, I've been with her for five years at that point, And the thought of somebody else sleeping with her was killing me. Mm-hmm. So I, I was trying, I, you know, I, I said, look, I'll, I'll, I'll do anything you want. I'll quit stripping. I'll, you know, we'll move, we'll get engaged. I said, whatever you want, just come back to me. Mm-hmm. She didn't, she ended up marrying that guy. And thank God, because I, we could have done that for a long time. It's what I call the sex trap. Mm-hmm. And I didn't know about soul ties back then. All I knew is I was caught in something I didn't have control over. Mm-hmm. So after that, I started, I was, Entering the world of nightlife in Baltimore, I started promoting nightclubs, opening nightclubs, and I became like the king of nightlife in Baltimore for a while. And I was making even more money now, and I was even more popular than when I was stripping, and I had more women. I was having more sex. And I remember I was like, I am not getting caught in that relationship trap again. There ain't no way until my second relationship. And it happened exactly like the first one. We had sex quickly. We continued sleeping together. We drifted into a relationship. It felt like something was missing. I'm looking over my shoulder at other women. Eventually, I'm looking at porn, and eventually, I'm cheating. And then I was like, I must be the kind of person that just can't fall in love. You know, that must, something must be wrong with me. Or maybe human beings aren't supposed to be monogamous. Those were all the, the theories I had. All I knew was I couldn't force myself to be in love with these great women. They were great women, and I couldn't force myself. And I was like... I, I, all I knew was, I, I didn't know what the reason was. I just knew that I couldn't do that. And it wasn't until March of 2000. So that shows you how old I am. Um, I got, I heard God's voice for the very first time in my life. I, I was 27 at the time. And, and God told me to trust him. He said, trust me, follow me. And if you start doing relationships my way, you'll be able to find love. And that's in essence, that's what he told me. 
So I committed myself to doing relationships his way because it was a radical revelation because I I had never even considered that the problem wasn't me. The problem was how I was starting all my relationships because I wasn't asking myself the hard questions on the front end. Mm -hmm. I was just having sex with girls. All they had to be was physically attractive Mm -hmm. and I'd have sex. And then I would drift it into relationships with the wrong women. So I committed myself to waiting until marriage. It was, this was back in, like I said, 2000. And I, I, I always say, I, I like to tell everybody that after six years of abstinence, I found my wife and I'm now happily married. But that's not what happened. <laughs> because after, <laughs> after six years, I, I, I had isolated for six years because I, I didn't know how to live the Christian life. I went to church on Sunday, but then six and a half days a week, I didn't know what to do with myself or who to do it with. Cause I was not, I'm not a religious guy. I didn't relate to religious people. Mm-hmm. I thought they were nice, but they were kind of boring. <laughs> so here I'm sitting around six and a half days a week waiting for God to give me a wife mm-hmm. and he didn't do it. And I, you know, I, again, I isolated for the, for the majority of those six and a half years. I went to a lot of movies either with by myself or with a buddy and eventually I just, I backslid, you know, I went back to the bar because I wanted, I wanted a social life again. I wanted to be around people. I started picking up my bad habits, drinking too much. Eventually I was sleeping around again. And I just kind of ended up right back to the position that I was in before I became a Christian. And I, I rededicated my life in 2011. So this is about 10 years ago. And I went through the exact same thing where I was like sitting around bored and lonely all the time every weekend I couldn't even have a girl over my house to watch a movie with because I was like I was afraid we'd have sex so I was literally alone every Friday and Saturday I'm working hard all week and the weekend would come and I wanted to be around people and blow off some steam and and there's nothing to do so I was like there's got to be a better way than this so I, I started organizing social events and I would invite I had some friends from church they love Jesus, but they were normal. I always have to add that. <laughs> you know, a lot of people, they fall in love with Jesus and they get weird. Like they, they love Jesus, but they were normal and they were yeah. bored too. So I started organizing these social events and I started inviting them. And the funny thing was, is I had my friends from back when I was in the bars, I used to party with their, their lives were starting to fall apart. And I'd been trying to get them to come to church with me for 10 years and they didn't want to hear it. They didn't want to come. But I started organizing these social events and I would get my church friends there and then I would get my, my old friends there and they would come and they would meet my, my healthier friends. Yeah. And then all of a sudden they would end up in church and some, a lot of them would get saved. And I was like, this is what I've been trying to do for 10 years. You know, like, so I realized it was something, you know, we start, and at that point we started organizing service events. We started volunteering uh, in between each of our social events and we saw more people more people's lives change, more people get saved, more people meet Jesus. And I, and that's when we were like, we got to give this a name and we called it city fan. And, um, you know, it's really been the biggest, probably it's probably, it's brought me more joy and more pain than anything else in the world, because it's been so hard to try to figure it out and build it. Yeah. But it's also brought me a lot of joy and it's enabled me to walk this narrow path and actually enjoy life and see, see a lot of people's lives change in the process. Mm. But, um, you know, I, and I look, looking back, I, I look at it, I know it's, it was all God's design because, mm-hmm. you know, he's the, he's the one that originally told me basically about waiting to have sex. Cause I did not understand the concept of waiting. I, to me, it was, it was just a stupid idea. Like I did, I, to me, sex was like a massage. Why, why shouldn't we have sex quickly? What's, you know, we're going to make each other feel good. Mm-hmm. But I, I was only after I stopped that I really started to understand the practicality of it. 
and now I feel like I can explain it better than anybody in the world. Yeah. And I feel like even though City Fam isn't the abstinent group, it's all about City Fam is all about community and just becoming the best version of yourself. I will say though that nothing breaks community like sex without commitment. So if you have a friend, a girlfriend, and you're like, and you have sex with her, and then you decide you don't want to have sex with her anymore, you want to have sex with another girl. I promise you, she's not going to be your friend. <laughs> no. She's gone. You're you're a jerk. It doesn't matter if you were honest with her or not. So like. God, God is all in community. God, mm. God is all about us being together, looking out for each other's best interest. Mm. And that's where, that's where the power is. So if you don't get that, if you don't understand the practicality of waiting, it's going to be hard for you to really cultivate a community, uh, a strong friend group that really is selfless because you're going to be the little, you're going to be that dog. You ever walk in your friend's house and that dog comes over and starts humping your leg? You're like, get the hell <laughs> yeah. away from me, you little yeah. dog. Yeah. Like that, you'll be that dog. You know, like mm. nobody wants that dog around. Yeah. So it really, it really fits nicely with the, the message of purity does fit nicely with what we're doing at City Fam. So yes. thanks for letting me share that. Dear friend, you can grow your personal and business brand by creating a strong network through podcasting. Create Real human connections have the ability to share your story and interesting point of view. To get started, you can make use of the special offer for friends of this podcast, which is on kitcaster.com slash mural. K-I-T-C-A-S-T-E-R dot C-O-M slash M-I-R-R-O-R. The link and further instruction or details will be found in the show notes for this episode. Thank you. Don't forget to follow us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or Google Podcasts, or whatever platform you listen to this on. Thank you. And is, is it open to everyone? Like, is it only for people in the US or anyone from anywhere in the world can join? So basically, what we're getting ready to do is we're getting ready to roll out a turnkey system for people to start at wherever they're at. Mm. So we have official chapters in Baltimore and Houston. We have a small, uh, we have a chapter in Dallas, Texas, and we have some other small groups starting up, but yeah, we're going to have people, we're going to give people a turnkey system so that they can start at wherever they're at. And really what it is, is just like you do a social event and you do a service event and you just make it very inclusive. It's not a Christian group. It's not an abstinent group. It's not the sober group. It's just a group of people that want to do life together. Mm-hmm. And then you become the best version of themselves in the process and enjoy it. Because when I was making good decisions and becoming the be- better version of myself, it was boring. That was the problem. I wasn't enjoying my life. I was making good decisions, but I'm sitting around every weekend. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, why, why can't we have both? Why can't I have a social life? Because so, yes. uh, like, we like to go out People in City Fam like to turn up. We'll go see live music. We'll do karaoke. We're going to go see laser tag. We're going to do laser tag on Friday. Like we're always doing stuff, enjoying life. But we also recognize that there's a line that we shouldn't cross. You know, back when I was partying, when I was promoting, we used to party and we would turn up, but we didn't even think about a line. And even if we did, we were okay with crossing the line. Yes. Yeah. So now with City Fam, we're, we're kind of saying, okay, look, let's turn up. Let's go up to the line. But let's not cross it. Let's try not to, help, you know, not to say never people never cross it, but we're going to try to help each other not cross it. Because at the end of the day, like I have goals that I want to, I want things I want to do with my life. And if I cross that line, it's going to cause me regret. It's going to cause me from reaching those goals. So for you, like Toby, if, if I know that you really want to, you know, launch a business and you're out till two o'clock in the morning, getting drunk, I'll be like, bro, 
You know, like, come on, man. I, dude, you got to get up tomorrow and work. Don't you? Yes. I, you told me you wanted to do this. Mm-hmm. And then I'm going to check you lovingly. Right. Mm-hmm. That's that's what City Fam is, is like, look, let's hold each other accountable. Let's mm-hmm. reach our long term goals, but let's have a great time in the process. Mm-hmm. And that's what it's really about. Wow, that's good. It's just like having good people, helping people grow and yeah. to reach their goals. That's, that's wonderful. Exactly. And doing life together, man. Let, let's do life yes. together. Because yes. I, like, when, I when I go to church, a lot of churches, especially if you're an older single, mm. they kind of forget you. You know, like they have stuff for the youth. They have stuff for the married people. But when you're an older single, they ain't got nothing for you. They basically tell you, okay, listen, don't have sex. See you next Sunday. <laughs> right? You're like, uh, all right, how am I going to do that? You know, mm. like it's, it's an impossible situation. Yes. I mean, I want something to do and they're not helping me find that thing to do. So we've had to create something where, um, you know, like there are things to do in between Sunday. Cause if, when I look at, especially when I look at the first century church, if you look at acts, the book of acts, those people were together all the time. Yes. yes. Every day they were together. They were meeting in each other's house. They were eating, they were doing life. And it says the Lord added to their number daily. Those who were being saved. Yes. The average church right now leads less than 10 people a year to Jesus. Mm-hmm. So that tells me we're doing something really wrong because if we're just meeting in a building one day or, or, or one morning a week, and then we're like, okay, bye. See you next Sunday. Or I'll see you at Bible study. And then I'll see you next Sunday. That yeah. is not doing life together. Yeah, I need true. people in my corner that, that I see on a regular basis that I'm hanging out with on Friday, on Saturday, that I'm praying with, that I'm partying with, mm-hmm. you know, like, that's what I want in my life. That's what I believe that the first century church was. And that's why it was so effective. True. But True. the average, the average Christian doesn't have that. Mm-hmm. So try to yeah. fix that. So I'm going to place the, the link to your um, city farm um, websites in the show notes for this episode. So anyone who's interested could um, click on the link and just join the family and yeah, get connected with you and get connected with like-minded people also in the community. Thank you, Toby. I would love for you to send everybody to the Facebook group specifically. Oh, Facebook group. Okay. That's kind of our hub right now. For, we're about to roll out this new initiative called Reach, where we're oh, going to okay. keep everybody a system on how to go ahead and get a group started. Yeah. And it's, I think it's going to, it's going to be awesome. It's going to produce big changes in the world. That's awesome. That sounds great. That sounds great. And you, you have this awesome book. You're, you're a best-selling author. Congratulations on that. And you, you have these two books called um, Why Waiting works and the truth about sex so what was the i i kind of get it already but what was the inspiration behind these books and um can you you know tell us a little bit about them sure thank you for asking again uh so why waiting works was really just kind of explaining the practicality of waiting because like i said when i started down the journey i just didn't have any concept mm. idea you know it, it didn't make sense and it was only after years of abstinence that i really started to get it and how me not understanding it was causing me to get into these these relationships and it caused me a lot of pain and other women pain mm-hmm. and wasted time it caused them wasted time and it caused me wasted time mm-hmm. and no one ever explained it to me you know when i was in church as a kid i went to church a little bit and they said you know they told you don't have sex outside of marriage but no one ever told you why mm-hmm. and if you don't have somebody explain it to you if you're hard-headed like me you're going to be like what do you know right like mm-hmm. i need somebody to tell me why So my goal in writing the book was to break it down very practically, why it's in your best interest, how it's going to play out if you do it, Mm -hmm. if you wait, how it's going to probably play out if you don't wait, based on a lot of research and my own life experience. Mm -hmm. If I had to guess, I don't think any other human being in the history of the world has lived on more polar ends of the spectrum of sex. I've had hundreds of one night stands 
And then I've been abstinent, like zero sex for 15 of the last 20 years, basically. Um, so I've, I've really have a, a unique perspective on the subject and I can tell you why it works. And, and that's, so that was really the con the, the mot motivation in writing the book. I made a video called 10 reasons not to have sex before marriage posted on YouTube. It went viral, became the number one video in the world on the subject. And, um, you know, I had a lot of people reach out to me about city fan because I mentioned it in that video. And that was really kind of what inspired us to create this system to give people, um, an opportunity, like a step-by-step -step system to do life together. Yeah. But yeah, that, that, that was probably the main motivation. It's really just to open people's eyes to it because, um, I feel like it's, it's one of those subjects that, you know, even people in the church don't understand it. There's a lot of people in the church having sex and no one's ever broke it down for them. At least like I, I think that I can, I, I really believe that I can explain it better than anybody in the world. So can you educate me a little bit or explain the truth about sex to me? Yeah. Well, I mean, first of all, where I always start is the, is the numbers. Like, so if you look at just the, the statistics, because numbers don't lie, mm -hmm. people can say whatever they want. They can, their opinion could be like, you don't know what you're talking about. Okay. So let's look at the numbers. Yeah. People that get married as virgins have a 6% divorce rate. So 94% of the time they stay married. Mm -hmm. People that don't wait, what's the divorce rate? 50%. That's high. Right. So one out of two. Okay. Now here's the, here's the scarier question. I think what percentage of the other 50% that stay married are happy. I don't think it's as high as people think. I think, I think a lot of people stay together for the kids and for finances and all, all that other stuff. So what that tells me is that if you do this, the way that everybody else does, 97% of the population does not wait to have sex. Only 3% wait until marriage. If you do it the way the 97% does, then the odds of you being happily married are slim. They're stacked against you 100%. All you have to do is look at the numbers. Mm -hmm. Because this is what it boils down to. Your heart's deceitful. The Bible tells us the heart is deceitful above all things. Your heart will trick you into believing something that's not true mm -hmm. in order to give your flesh what it wants. This happens to us all the time. Imagine you were dating a girl and you really liked her and you thought maybe you're in love and you wanted to have sex with her. And you said, hey, uh, Mary, I'm in love with you. Let's have sex. And she said, sure, Toby, but let's just run down to the justice of the peace real quick and get married. <laughs> you would be like, bam, oh, <laughs> let me think about this a little longer, right? Yeah. That's the point. That's why God gave us marriage. Because you know that mar a divorce is going to cause you pain. Mm -hmm. So now you're going to think longer before you get yourself into something complicated. And that's the point. Because if you don't, really come to a place where you're willing to do this, where you're in your heart of hearts that you mean you're going to do it. You don't ask yourself the hard questions on the front end. So you never get to your best. Yes. Because what I'm doing now as I'm doing this, yeah. and there's a lot of women that I meet that I want to have sex with. I'm not going to lie. I don't want to have sex any less than I used to. I want to have sex just as much, if not more, because I haven't been doing it. Mm -hmm. But now I say, is she everything you want, Rob? And, that, and now I'm asking myself that question before having sex. Before I used to have sex and drift into a relationship with that girl. And then I was like, is she everything you want? Could you be happier with someone else? Mm -hmm. And here now, and now I create a broken person because I, it, she wasn't everything that I wanted. I had sex with her. I wasted her time. Mm -hmm. And then I gave her to the next guy. Mm -hmm. That's basically what I did. You yes. know, that's what, that's what we do as humans. We want to grab something off the rack. We don't want to pay for it. We want to crack the seal. We want to take a sip. 
And if we don't like it, we want to put the lid back on and give it to the next person. Mm. That's not, look, you can't do that. The way God wired all this is we can't hurt each other and it not come back on us. Plain and simple. There's whether you want to call it karma or you just want to call it divine the way God wired everything. You can't do something like that and it not affect you. So what I'm saying is if you're, if you're, that's what you're trying to do is go out. I wanted to be a player. That was my, my aspiration. I wanted to be like a George Clooney, old, you know, single for my life, my whole life, bachelor, play the field, have sex with different women, no commitment. Mm-hmm. But I kept drifting into relationships with the wrong women because I got a soul tie. Yeah. I got oxytocin and that's, that's biology. You know, I tell people, um, you know, during sex, there's a hormone release called oxytocin and, and it will make you stick to people and it'll make you stick to the wrong people. Mm-hmm. And sometimes people waste their whole lives with the wrong person, you know, and they never achieve their full purpose for being on this earth because they never, number one, they never realized what their purpose was before they chose their person. And then they chose the wrong person. So they didn't know their purpose and they got the wrong person. And then they live this life of this gnawing feeling like there's something they should do, but they don't know what it is. Mm-hmm. And they, you know, they get to the end of their life and they have huge regret. Yeah. Yes. And that's why it's very important for us to wait until marriage um, to have sex. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. I mean, number one, sex transmutation. Have you ever heard of that concept? Yeah, I've heard about it, but you could talk, educate me a little much better about, on it. Yeah. yeah. It's basically, Think and Grow Rich, Napoleon Hill, he, here's where I learned about it. I write about it in my book. But, it, you know, he says sexual energy is the strongest form of all human energy. And it can be harnessed and used for other purposes when you're not expressing it physically. And that's exactly what's happened in my life in the last 10 years. Because when I stopped having sex, I stopped, I needed to do something. I had all this energy, all this sexual energy. Mm-hmm. And I wrote books and I started my nonprofit and wrote, you know, started courses and a podcast. And I did all these incredible things. I wouldn't yeah. have done that. if I had a woman at home to go home to it and sleep with mm-hmm. because I didn't have it. And I, and I still have a desire to have sex. It's caused me to use it to create this, you know, the, everything that I want most in life, you know, but, and, and I always help people, want people to see, if you go back to the very beginning, what was God's original design for man and woman? Adam and Eve were not created at the same time. Mm-hmm. Adam was created first. Eve didn't come along till verse 22. Mm-hmm. So Adam, the very first thing Adam got was not a woman. He got a job. Yeah. He got a purpose to name the animals and take care of the garden. Mm-hmm. And then Eve came along as his helpmate. Mm-hmm. And he said the very first words and he saw her, he said, finally. <laughs> so we don't know how long he was waiting. He could have been waiting a thousand years. We don't mm-hmm. know. So what I'm saying is I don't like to wait any more than anybody else. But what, what's worse than waiting is not understanding what your purpose for being on this earth is. And a woman wants to be, you know, I love what John Eldridge says in Brave Brave with Heart. He says, a woman wants to play an irreplaceable role in a great adventure. So your job as a man is to give that woman a great adventure to play a part in. And if you don't know what your your adventure is, she's going to get bored and she's probably going to leave you. So you got to figure out now while you're single, stop busting nuts, stop ejaculating, stop jerking off as much as possible, not to say I'm perfect, mm-hmm. and try, use that sexual energy to figure out what in the hell you're on this earth for. And then you get the woman, but don't have sex before marriage because it will help you choose the right woman. Yeah. And I always say to people in America, because a lot of people in America don't want to get married. I said, you know, forget the word marriage. It's just semantics. If I said to every one of you, how would you like to find your best friend that you're physically attracted to that can help you reach your purpose in life? Mm. 
Would you like that? Everybody says yes. Of course, yeah. Don't have sex before marriage because it'll help you find it. Mm-hmm. It's that simple. Because mm-hmm. now you're asking yourself the hard questions instead of just sleeping with them and drifting into the relationship with the wrong one. How do you deal with the, you know, the temptation, the sexual temptations that come up? I mean, I'll be honest. I haven't dated a lot over the last 10 years. I've dated a little bit and it's, it's not easy. You know, if you love them that much, get married. You know, that's what I would say, because if you, that's really, that's how, you know, if you're willing to go all in on this person at the moment that, you know, just get married. If you don't know, set some really good boundaries. Don't spend time alone with them. Have somebody that you're accountable to. Have a mentor. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, be very honest with that person. But I would say those, and then the, really the most important, honestly, is you have to know your why. So I have st- such a strong vision for my life. And I know what I want, like my ideal life. I'm not willing to jeopardize that for a piece of tail, you know? <laughs> so I, yeah. I set really strong boundaries and make sure that I don't. Now, if you don't know your why, you'll be like, well, it, it's very easy to cast off restraint. That's what the Bible says. Without vision, people perish or without vision, people cast off restraint. Yeah. It's very easy to cast off the boundaries and then just fall into sin because you, why not? You know, you don't have a strong reason. If I knew, if you, you knew that I was going to, you know, come over your house and kill you if you had sex, you would probably be real careful not to do that. Right. True. Because now you got a strong why. So you have to understand what is your why, you know, what is your vision for your life and, and realize that whatever that vision is, it probably hinges on obedience. If your vision is so big that you can accomplish it on your own, it ain't big enough. My vision is huge. And I know the only way I'm going to do that is if God helps me and God is probably not going to help me if I fall into sin. So I set strong boundaries for my life because I don't want to, I don't want to lose the blessing. I want it all. My wife, my hot wife that I'm going to love having sex with is going to be the icing on the cake, mm. but I ain't going to lose that cake in the process. You talk about um, boundaries now, for example, um, and in, right now I'm, I'm asking myself, what kind of boundaries can I set? Or what, what kind of healthy boundaries can I set in my relationship? Everybody's boundaries are going to be different. My boundaries, because I, because I used to, was so casual with sex, I couldn't spend time alone with women because I made a mistake three years into my waiting journey. This is about... Seven, seven years ago, I made a mistake with a girlfriend. We were just watching TV and we just, one thing led to another. We started kissing and then we ended up having sex. Mm-hmm. And after that, I, I, I stopped spending time alone with women. I cut out alcohol out of my life for almost seven years. I didn't drink anything because when I drank, I, I felt promiscuous. Mm-hmm. So you have to just be honest with yourself and figure out what works for you. My boundaries were out really far because of my past. Mm-hmm. So you might be able to spend time alone with your girlfriend and not be an issue, mm-hmm. but that was one for me. It was, you know, like not spending time alone with women, not sleeping over their house, for example. Um, oh, here's a good one that my, my pastor actually told me. When you spend time alone, well, anytime you spend with your girlfriend, you can only touch where there's not clothes. So like, for example, you couldn't grab their butt. <laughs> you know what I mean? Because there's clothes yeah. over it. Yeah. So if you might be able to grab their arm or their hand or, you know, whatever. But you, if they're close, and I was like, that is such a good rule. Uh, yeah. But don't tell her to come over in a G-string. <laughs> <laughs> I was just thinking about that right now. Like, what if she's wearing a, a, a mini skirt, for example, or <laughs> a tank top? Or <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm. It, but, it's super. I mean, look, it, it's not easy, but mm. the payoff 
you know, the payoff, I believe, will be worth it. True. It's, I know the payoff in my own life of, of waiting mm-hmm. has already been worth it because I've done some incredible things. My life 10 years ago, I was, I was a washed up nightclub promoter. I didn't know what I was going to do with my life. Mm-hmm. I was dating an ex-stripper. I was in a crappy relationship. We had broken up probably 10 times, me and this girl. And I had an alcohol problem. I was using drugs recreate. I just, I just was a mess. And God said, stop having sex with your girlfriend. He started convicting me. And I was like, I didn't know about a book. I didn't know about a video. I didn't know about not a nonprofit. I didn't know about anything. All I knew is God told me to stop having sex. And I was like, damn, all right. All right, I'll try it again. Yeah. So I stopped because I, I wanted to be obedient. And all the other stuff came after that. So if I would challenge anybody that's out there, if you've already had sex, this still works. It's not too late to follow what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. All you have to do is start today. It's just like exercise. Mm-hmm. If you're dating somebody, you know, you got a boyfriend or a girlfriend and they're not committing, you're not getting married. Just say, listen, I don't want to live in sin or, I, or just say, listen, I love you. And I think you love me. Mm-hmm. But here's what we're going to do. We're going to stop having sex. And if we both become convinced we're in love, let's just get married. But if we become convinced that we're not in love, let's stop wasting each other's time. Yeah. And then what you do is you cut the sex off. And then the next time you have sex will be your wedding night or you break up. That's it. That's what I did with my ex-girlfriend. And it worked. It gave me clarity because when you're having sex, it, it clouds everything. It, your emotions are, it feels like you're in love, even when you're not in love. Mm. The way God designed all the hormones, oxytocin and all the different things that get released. So you kind of feel like you're in love, but you're not sure. Mm-hmm. So you, what you do is you just cut it off and you say, look, and you have the conversation. If we become convinced we're in love, let's, let's get married. We'll start. I'll give you all the sex you want. Mm-hmm. But if we become convinced we're not in love, why, why are we in this? Yes. Why are we wasting each other's time? All right. All right. And it works. But what, what happens when, for example, you, you are, for example, if I'm waiting, right, I want to wait till marriage, but my partner does not want to wait. Like, what happens, how, how do I deal with the rejection or the breakup or the loneliness that could occur, you know, because the majority do not want to wait and I want to wait. What, how can I deal with that? So usually I, I think that question actually I've been asked usually by women because I'd be like, well, they want to <laughs> wait, but the man doesn't want to wait. And I'll say, well, then tell him to hit the bricks. Of course he doesn't want to wait because this is what I talk about in the video. And this is probably my favorite point of the 10 reasons is there's something called a transfer of control that takes place during sex. Cause if you coming into a relationship, men and women have different wants and needs and they control different things. A woman, a woman, her desire is for security at the deepest level. Doesn't mean that she doesn't like sex too, but her deepest, if you boil it all the way down to the base, men want sex and women want security. So a woman that gives sex and doesn't get security, which real security is marriage, she's giving and she's not getting. And the man is getting, but he's not giving, Mm. which is why the world looks at him as a stud and her as a hoe. Mm. Because she's giving out the sex and she's not even getting the security in return. And then what does it puts her in a position of disadvantage because now she's giving out the sex and now she's chasing him around trying to get him to give her the commitment. Because that's the thing that he's in control over. Mm-hmm. That's why a man always proposes. And that's why a woman is always the one who says when we have sex the first time. 99.9% of the time, mm-hmm. she's going to be the one to say when. A man's going to take it as fast as you give it. Mm-hmm. Right? That's why prostitution is the world's oldest profession. 
It was always women selling it to men. It wasn't the other way around. So you have to understand this dynamic. So you can't put, if a guy says he doesn't want to wait, then tell him hit the bricks. He's a joker. He's wasting your time because the real man that loves you will wait, you know, like, I, I, and this is what I tell women because I think a, a lot of women are scared to do this because the enemy, the devil is real and he will always come at you with fear. That's his number one tool. So he's going to be like, listen, don't do, don't wait. Nobody's going to wait for you. Nobody waits anymore. You'll never find anybody. That's what he's going to try, try to tell you. He'll give, give you that lie. Mm -hmm. And what you have to realize is that the opposite is true because before when I wasn't waiting, if a woman would have told me she wanted to wait till marriage, I would have been like this. Peace out. I'm gone. <laughs> but if a woman tells me now she wants to wait, guess what I do? I lean in. I'm like intrigued. Oh, really? Because there's so rare. There's so few women that are waiting or wanting to wait. And because I've been waiting, mm -hmm. guess what? If a woman tells me she doesn't want to wait, guess what I do now? Peace out. Yeah. I don't want to wait. I don't want to be, I've been waiting. I've been working on myself mm -hmm. and you, I don't want, I don't want you if you ain't been working on yourself waiting, if you've been giving it out to everybody. Mm -hmm. So who's going to make a better husband, the, the me now or the me before the me now. Yeah, of course. So standards are going to attract the right ones and repel the wrong ones. So if you tell somebody you want to wait and they don't want to wait, let them go. You just saved yourself a bunch of time and did, did yourself a big old favor. Yes. Yes. You know, but as far as the loneliness, Yes, that's real. And, you know, like you may have to be spend some lonely nights to get to your Boaz. I mean, that's just the way that it is. Yeah. But what I've done is I've cultivated an amazing community and I would not have cultivated that community if I had a girl at home. I did it out of necessity mm -hmm. because I was so lonely that I had to surround myself with people that could actually add value to my life, not just party friends. Cause I didn't want to go to, I didn't want to go just party and go to the bar and sleep with people. I'm like, no, I need to surround myself with real friends. Mm -hmm. And those real friends have enabled me to become the best version of myself. Because as I started my nonprofit and wrote my book, they supported me mm -hmm. and they made all the things that I wanted most, all my dreams come true because I had surrounded myself with this really great group of selfless people. And I only did that because I was lonely. So the loneliness is real, but if you allow it to do its thing, it will produce things in your life, almost like a piece of sand in an oyster. You know, that's, that sand is irritating to that oyster, but he produces a pearl to make it a little bit more comfortable, you know? So the weight, the weight sucks, you know, being horny and lonely and all the things. But if you let it do its thing, it will produce something in your life, I believe. And that's a very good segue to another question which is how do you take all of those you know sex energy or sexual energy how do you convert that to you know becoming a better or a, the best version of, version of yourself or becoming yeah. or do something important with with it like you have, you have a good example for example you said you you, start, you created a community due to this fact you you wrote your book for example you did a lot of things due to this but for someone out there or maybe for myself, how can I take all of these, you know, stored up <laughs> sexual energy to yeah. become a better version of myself? Yeah. Well, first off, so what I did was I started working with a life coach 10 years ago. Mm. And to me, I was like completely cynical about life coaching. I was like, what is a life coach? I'm like, this is a waste of time. She was actually my pastor's wife. Oh. And I met with her and she changed my life because she, she had these exercises that I did and they, and I was able to really realize what I wanted most. I answered these questions mm -hmm. and I took the questions, the answers to the questions. And I wrote something called a vision statement mm -hmm. and it was the ideal life for Rob, for me. 
So everybody's going to, everybody's vision for their life is going to be different, but God has a vision for each person. I mean, you, you have a, a purpose for being on this earth, just like I do. So I would say the very first thing to do would be work, you know, potentially work with a life coach. So I have a course actually that I developed using all of the exercises that I picked up over the last 10 years to help me figure all this stuff out. It's called uh, Proverbs 31 Blueprint for Women. And I have another one called Unleash the Best You for Men. And you can go to robbykowalski.com if you want to learn more about those. But it's a six-week course, and it's all designed to help you figure out what your, your, your vision is for your life and then set your, a framework up for your life so that you can actually make it happen. Because once you know what, those, once you know what it is, then you actually have to you know, go to work on it. So like, even as I'm talking to you now, you can see me on camera. Like I have all these sheets that I work from every day yes. to help. You know, this is something called a weekly rhythm register where, you know, I'm tracking my daily activities and then I got my, my day scheduled out, you know, mm -hmm. everything that I have to do. And then I schedule yes. my months out. Then I schedule my year out. Wow. Every year I do these, these exercises. And what it does is it helps you figure out for that year, what are your vital three? What are the three things you're trying to accomplish this year? And, and it sounds like it's not a lot, but you got to, these are like big, three big things. So it might be like write a book, launch a mm -hmm. podcast, start a business. Like, so whatever those three things are, you put as much time into those things as possible. And these are all things that, you know, if, if for anyone that does the course, they would learn, but most people try to do too many things and they don't accomplish anything. True. So you have to focus, but the first thing is, what do you focus on? We have to figure that out. And that's what, what I'll help you do. Mm -hmm. And then, yeah. So I would say that's, what's done it for me is I was just super intentional because I think people don't realize a lot of times when they're single and they're, especially if they're waiting, you're like, miserable right you're just like moping around you're like i'm this sucks god like you're just waiting for someone to come along and fix you that's what i did for the first six years i was a christian i didn't know about all this other stuff so i just kind of was waiting for god to give me a wife and i was like i'm gonna stay out of trouble i'm just gonna try not to sin that's what most people do and then after i rededicated i realized wait a second i think god might want me to do something with this time and this energy the sexual energy of course i didn't know about that back then all i just was felt like this is a really unique opportunity for me to hustle because when you get married you're going to have that wife at home and she, and you're, you're going to want to go home to her but you're also going to have someone else's happiness to worry about so you're not going to have like i work sometimes 15 hours a day 16 hours a day because why not i got the time so i can move the needle once i figured out what i want i'm like i'm excited to get there i want to move the needle far forward so by the time i get married i'm going to pull her into this amazing thing that i got going Yes. And we'll travel the world and we'll write books together and all this, you know, like we're, we're going to do some amazing stuff together, I believe. Yes. But first I had to figure out what I wanted and then get after it, mm -hmm. you know, and that that's so like, that's what I want to help people do with the courses. But even if you don't, um, you know, for some reason, if you don't want to do the course uh, and they're 30 day money back guarantee. So there's really no risk in doing it if anyone wants to try it, but maybe ask somebody, ask some people that know you um, mm -hmm. like, what, am I, what do you see that I'm good at? What do you think I'd be good at? Start asking yourself the hard questions about like, you know, what do you really want in life and try to try to craft a vision statement out of it. But I would recommend some professional help, you know, and that's because like even the best athletes in the world have coaches, you know, Michael Jordan had a coach. So you, it's good to get that outside perspective. And, and um, yeah, that's, that's what I love to do for people because you see them come to life, man. Once they, once they figure out why they're here, their whole life changes. Mm -hmm. it's, it's amazing to watch, really. What's the best way for people to reach out to you? Is it through your website or through Instagram or just the Facebook community is enough? To, to yeah, I would to say you? probably DM me on Instagram. 
you know, that would be the best way. Oh. Or you can email rob at cityfam.com. But I think sometimes those emails might fall through the cracks because I get a lot of them. Not not from people, but I just get a lot of emails. Um particular you know to that web that that inbox particularly but yeah dm dm on instagram would be great from your story also i've, I've gotten to to know about like sometimes in life we 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 fall we fail um you we could make up our minds to you know to abstain for 20 years or 30 years to get married or whatever yeah but then we find ourselves at a part where we are breaking that promise that we made to ourselves yeah sure. so how do we take all this guilt and shame and you know how do you come out of it how do we recover from this and then, you know, bounce back to having our passion and purpose of our life back? Yeah. it's a good question. I know when I first became a Christian, man, when I sinned, God, I would, it would debilitate me for like a day. I couldn't like, I was so depressed. And now I shake it off because I'm like, I just believe what the word says. I'm not perfect. You know, like it's been a while since I've slept with a girl, but I struggle with lust because of my past, you know? So like every month or two, I'll get really lonely or, or frustrated or depressed and, you know, I'll masturbate or something. And I just, I try to shake it off. I'm like, because I know how hard I'm trying and I believe that God sees the effort, you know, and, and he rewards the effort and um, he doesn't ask for perfection from us. So, I, you know, the, the word says, Jesus, you know, was tempted in every way, but he was without sin, but he understands that he said, that's why we can come boldly before the throne because Jesus was tempted in every way. So he understands, he doesn't condone sin, but he understands what we're going through. So you got to just kind of remember that, give yourself a pass. And I think that, cause that's what the devil does. The devil wants to really make you feel guilty, condemned, ashamed, because if he can get you there, there's no chance of you being like performing on a high level, you know, because he wants you to carry that guilt around. And be like, who are you to say? Who are you to talk about God? Who are you to start a podcast? Pete? You know, like you're a, you ain't you just jerked off two weeks ago. Like, who are you? Like, he's going to try to get you like that. And you just got to believe what God says about you, man. So I get in the word regularly. I spend daily quiet time with God. And I just try to remember, you know, I'm forgiven. And to keep going, Paul says, forgetting what lies behind, right? Forgetting what lies behind and pressing on. Paul wasn't perfect, you know? So if, if, if he can't be perfect, we probably don't have too much of a chance. So you just got to let it go, you know, and surround yourself with good people. You know, like you're going to become like the people that you hang out with. That's for me with city fam has been like so huge because I, they're good people and they rub off on me and I rub off on them. And, you know, it, it just enables me. It gives me something to look forward to on the weekend. It fills my tank so I can work hard again. Cause I'm like, okay. Cause if, when you don't have that, man, it's like, especially when you're working really hard, you're like, what's the point, you know, like, you know, what's the point in all this? So here I'm busting my butt working 15 hours a day and I ain't even, in, I'm not even enjoying life on the weekends. True. But when you got that great group of friends that you can go have fun with, it's like, you can do it again. You can hit next week. You can hit it hard, you know? True. So that's what it's been for me at least. Yes. Uh, thank you so much, Rob. I've been able to learn so much from you today, like the importance of community, like from City Farm, for example, and, um, you know, why you should know your purpose for waiting, your purpose in life, have a vision for your life. And I find it very important and something I could, or everyone out there could make use of, you know, to, to keep on living life. But do you, have, do you have any last piece of advice you would love to give everyone out there who is in a relationship, looking forward to uh, being in a relationship, always waiting, always thinking about abstinence or does not even know what abstinence is meant to be. 
Do you have like a piece of advice that you could give everyone as a closing statement? I like Gary Vee where he talks about, look, we get one chance at life, right? He's like, people are out there like we're coming back. Mm-hmm. You know, people are acting like they're, we're going to get another chance after this. It's like, this is it. This is your chance. Mm-hmm. It's never too late to be who you were meant to be. I love that saying. It's never too late to be the person you were meant to be. So all you have to do is make the decision and start today. And in six months, your, your life could be radically different. I remember when I backslid and I was, um, you know, I made a mess, man. Over, over five years, I made a mess in my life. I had a DUI pending. My house was being foreclosed on. I owed money in taxes. Me and my girlfriend just broke up. Like, I, I just was like, remember thinking, man, you really effed your life up. And then I, right after that is when I rededicated. And within six months, my life was completely different. All those things were pretty much gone. And I was on a completely different path. So all you have to do is just make the decision that you're going to reinvent yourself and you're going to be the person that you, you were always meant to be and get in alignment with what God tells you to do. And it happens fast. You know, like people look at me and they're like, think I'm something special. I'm not. I'm just like everybody else. So if you feel like you got a book in you, write it, you know, your podcast, maybe you're going to do a course, whatever it is. God wants to help you do things that are just blow your mind. Like I, I, I'm doing stuff now that I can't even believe I'm part of. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's so cool. You know, it's, it's been radical obedience. There's been a lot of us. There's been a lot of lonely nights and it's been a roller coaster of emotions to get here, but man, I'm so grateful. Yeah. So yeah. I don't know if that helps anybody, but ra- radical obedience and, and, and just getting started right away. Yes, That's awesome. Thank you so much, Rob. I really appreciate this. Thank you so much for being a part of this episode. Of Thank this you, Toby. You're a great host. Wow, you made it to the very end of this episode. Thank you so much for listening. I'm grateful for your time, your love, and your contributions. Subscribe, like, review, and share this podcast. God bless you. Bye.